Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Today we are joined by MMA star Gerard Musasi, who is a former Bellator champion looking to get back into the championship glory on May 9 at the SAP Center in San Jose, California. Gerard will be fighting Douglas Lima in a five-round fight as the co-main event that will air on DAZN and the Paramount Network. Uh, and Gerard is looking to further stamp his legacy in MMA. He is a, a champion in four different promotions, including the likes of Strike Force and Dream. He carries a record of 46 wins, seven losses, two draws, and the 34-year-old is still going at it. And uh, Gerard, thank you very much for joining the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, t talk to me about um, this fight that is be going to come up with Douglas Lima. How important is this fight for you and your legacy? Because I know you've been a, a champion in multiple promotions, but why is this fight going to be important for your legacy? Well, you know, I lost my belt. Uh, I wanted to fight Lovato again, but uh, he's medically not cleared again. So uh, it's, I think, end of the road for him. So uh, this is the way uh, to get my title back. I wish it was Lovato, but uh, Douglas Lima is a big name. Uh, so it's, uh, it's all about uh, getting my belt back. Right. And, you know, I have to ask you, you have 55 fights in your career. But you're only 34. How do you mix so many fights in such a short amount of space in your career? Not a lot of fighters have that kind of activity these days. Well, I took every fight I could. <laughs> it was a little bit different back then. And uh, I needed the experience. Uh, so I took every fight I could. Um, maybe sometimes I took fights that I shouldn't have. But, uh, you know, uh, you, when you need money, you fight. <laughs> well, you don't need money, but let's say... Um, some some guys have uh, make a lot more money. They can pick and choose. You know what I mean. So for me, it was just uh, get any fight I could. Right, and that that led to a decorated career that has led you to become champion in several low, uh, several promotions, including Strike Force, Dream, Cage Warriors, and of course Bellator. And you've obviously fought in the UFC as well too. Um, how would you describe your journey in MMA? What led you to actually becoming a fighter? Well, uh, growing up younger, uh, I, I watched Mike Tyson, those guys. And uh, I felt like uh, being a boxer uh, at that time would uh, get me higher in life. Uh, I would see places. I would go places. Uh, so that was a way out, let's say. Right. And what what was life like for you growing up? Because uh, you grew up in Holland, correct? Yes. Yeah. From uh, age of eight, we moved to Holland from uh, Iran. And uh, uh, life was uh, okay, normal. Just uh, grew up with my family. Nothing. We didn't have it large, let's say, but uh, we didn't come short on anything. That's, uh, that I have to thank my parents. Yeah. And. You know, I'm actually not sure. Do you have more championships or do you speak more languages? Which one is more? 
Uh, I speak four languages, yeah. Which ones but, are uh, they? None of them are really good. <laughs> <laughs> Armenian, Persian, Dutch, and English. But none of them uh, 100% correct, you know. <laughs> well, uh, uh, the most important thing is you speak it, you understand it, and uh, yeah. m most importantly, you, you speak fighting, uh, and you let your hands do the talking. Um, what has this journey been like for you now at Strike at the uh, with Bellator? I know you ha you just signed a multi-fight, multi-year deal that is going to uh, further propel your career. Uh, how are you further looking to stamp your legacy in the sport? Well, this is probably going to be really the last contract. Uh, once I'm finished, I'm really finished. Uh, it just um, get the belt back. Maybe light heavyweight, something special. Maybe they're gonna do a tournament middleweight. Uh, you know, just finish up with some big things. Uh, of course, win the, all my fights and um, maybe a super fight or whatever. This uh, this is actually a good super fight. You know, Darius Lima is the champion welterweight. We're gonna fight for the middleweight. So do some great things before I go, and uh, that's it. Yeah. And again, we are joined by Gerard Musasi, who's going to be fighting Saturday, May 9th at the SAP Center in San Jose, California. He is going to be the co-main event to uh, the Ryan Bader-Vadim Nemkov fight. And of course, he's fighting Douglas Lima. And Gerard, this is, um, you know, your your career is now in Bellator, but, you know, you had a stint at the UFC as well, too. And, you know, like many fighters who have come to Bellator, you had your run-ins with uh, management there at the UFC as well, too. Why Why essentially didn't it work out for you in that promotion? Well, it, it was working out. You know, uh, they treated me well. Um, I didn't come short on anything, but it was just more... Um, the thing was... Um, the, the One of the things was the payment. They didn't want to pay me what I was worth. Uh, secondly... Um, there was they were making my road to the title very difficult. Let's say um, it's sometimes popularity contest. Sometimes guy loses two three times, he gets still a title shot. You know what I mean? At that time, um, Dan Henderson got the title shot, and he was uh, four and one in his last five fights, something like that. Uh, so he got the title shot. Uh, St. Pierre came back, and then he fought for the belt and was a welterweight. Let's say he, he didn't fight for three years. You know. So it was a little bit, and I wasn't the most popular guy there. So uh, I was getting there, but, uh, you know, I wasn't uh, going to roll the dice, you know. Uh, Bellator was safe. Uh, Scott Coker, uh, I consider a friend. I have a great relationship with him. And uh, I felt uh, they delivered. Uh, that was the difference. But I have no complaints about the UFC, to be honest. You know, the, for me, they didn't mistreat me or... or do something. Uh, I, I've, uh, they treated me well, but it was just uh, Bellator was better for me. Right, and you mentioned you might not have been the most popular guy, but you're the most popular guy in my book because you you tell it like you uh, see it. You. You, you tell it like you see it. You're one of the more uh, straight shooting fighters out there. You know, th there's a lot of times when athletes, you know, th they could you know dance around the answer. You're, you're very straightforward. You, you tell it like it is. You make sure uh, there is no miscommunication. And you know, I, I think you've gained a lot of respect from fans, uh, which kind of gives you that international appeal too. And you know, now you're at Bellator. You're four and one in the promotion there. You're about. You just avenged your loss to Lyoto Machida in September. 
in Los Angeles at the Forum, and now you're going to move up uh, all the way up to San Jose. I remember during your last fight, there was a, a lot of Armenian fans who were there to support you. What is it like to have the support of Armenian fans for you? Yeah, it felt great. Uh, a lot of them come uh, from uh, Glendale, <laughs> Los Angeles. Uh, they come. Uh, I have a lot of friends that come to see me, and then, of course, the celebration is great uh, because I hang out with my, all my friends, and uh, it feels good. Um, it feels good when I win. They cheer. It's it's mm, it's different, of course. It's, uh, for me, it feels, I appreciate it. I appreciate their time. Uh, the trouble to me to get there and uh, to watch the fight making time for me so uh of course i wanted to put on a good performance of course and you mentioned you know they come up from glendale you're very familiar with glendale i know we met way back in the day when you used to train at the glendale fighting club at edmund tarverdian's gym uh you still go there and now you're you're sparring and training with some of the fighters who were kids back in the day when when you were coming up uh what is that like to kind of uh be uh, what many consider the most successful armenian mma fighter of all time well i went there uh i trained with edmund he was so he was a kid back then i was and now he's bigger than me taller uh uh much heavier, he looks like heavier. Also, great kid. Uh, he's gonna be the future. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know. So when I see that, I feel like okay, now I'm at my end of my career. You know what I mean? So uh, there's stages. Now I'm on the way out. Let's say I still have good years. I'm not, uh, but I wanna go on top. I don't wanna go win, lose, win, lose. You know what I mean? So it's uh, but it whatever it is, it's the end. You know, I'm 34. Uh, I could go two, three more years, something like that. But uh, then it's that's it. Right, and um, to our listeners, uh, if you didn't catch who he was training with, he was mentioning Edmund Shabazian, who is the 21-year-old touted phenom uh, currently fighting at middleweight in the UFC. Um, he fights April 11 against Derek Brunson. But, of course, Gerard, you have your huge fight coming up May 9th in San Jose. Uh, how has this training camp been different for you? Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you train at home, correct? Yeah, yeah. The bar is a gym. Uh, I just finished training, um, but I do train other places too. Uh, I get everywhere I need. To, like say wrestling, I go to Amsterdam. MMA, I do here. I do my strength and conditioning somewhere else, and then I mix it all together at my gym. And uh, with training so far, I've been training almost uh, for one month, uh, one and a half months. Not not uh, heavy, but every day or once. So uh, from next week, the training camp is really going to start. And then uh, so far, I feel good. Uh, I'm a little bit heavy. I need to lose weight. McDonald's has been good to me, and, uh, <laughs> but not so good, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, how would you describe uh, your, I guess, commitment to training? I mean, 53 fights, been, been, been at it for almost two decades now. Um, do you feel that... You're, do you get tired at all of go, just going through this process? Yeah, of course. Uh, at this moment, I know I don't feel like going into training camp. But once I go in it, I know I'm going to do it if I like it or not. Uh, but now I'm older a little bit, so I'm trying to not burn myself out uh, mentally, uh, physically also. So I'm trying to give a little bit more rest than I used to. 
And uh, more importantly, I feel like mentally I need to be not overdoing it because sometimes you give too much in the gym, you don't have it uh, in the fight. So I'm trying to balance it. So, uh, but uh, you know, so many years, so much experience. Uh, I, I know I'm going to be there uh, nine May ready. Mm-hmm. And and you talk about that mental. I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen you fight, if there is one way I can describe it. I haven't seen anyone as calm, cool, collected, calculated, and just ready to strike and pounce on an opponent as you do. I mean, your body language in a fight almost looks like you're not even interested in fighting. And then you just go in there and totally find, as soon as you find your opening, your your attitude changes. What Take me through that process of once you're in the cage. What is that like when once you find that moment to strike, you pounce? Yeah, it was, uh, a lot of times I had that attitude. I don't feel like fighting. Uh, you know, some, with some guys I got away, and some guys uh, with that attitude I lost because I was lazy. I wasn't feeling fighting, you know. Uh, but uh, the times that, you know, my own experience, the time that I showed up and I was ready, I wanted to go go for it 100%, uh, I always won. Uh, you know, it's a lot of things with me. Fighting I can do. It's a lot of times how I go mentally in the cage that makes the decision. Of course, also the opponent, not like uh, everything depends on me. But the times that I went in mentally, not with that attitude, oh, I don't feel like fighting. But sometimes I get away. But uh, sometimes um, when I'm in it, I want to go for it. I always deliver. And uh, this time I feel like I know how to balance it. So once I'm in the cage, I'm going to go and I, I, I want to knock him out or finish him this that, that that feeling i have this time so i know it will work out and and obviously we're talking about your your demeanor and what it looks like on television or for those watching in person what is your demeanor like outside of fighting you're in social situations gerard the friend gerard the brother gerard the son uh, uh does your character and personality match the one that's in the cage or are you a completely different person outside of it no, no, I make jokes. Uh, I laugh, laugh. Uh, I'm happy. Busy <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, quiet, but uh, usually joking around. So it's not like I, I'm not the same guy when I step in the case, I'd say. Right. And what was, um, and, and obviously that obvious would come from your um, your childhood and your adolescence and the man you are today. Uh, what was life like for you growing up in Iran and uh, moving over to Holland after that? Well, uh, it was difficult for me. Uh, my mother said I cried six months. Uh, I wanted to go back when we came to Holland. I think more difficult was for my parents when they when we moved here because uh, they had to start all over again. Um, but um, you know, I have to credit my mother. She always uh, took care of us very well. So uh, I didn't have a difficult childhood. Maybe money-wise, we didn't have it good. But, uh, uh, you know, other than that, I think my mother is the uh, one to be credit here. Uh, that we always stay together. Now, even now, we all live together. Uh, family, we're very close. And uh, so, yeah, childhood was... Childhood was good. <laughs> Nothing to complain to, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Do you live with your mother now? 
Yeah, my mother lives with me. My brother lives next to me. Right. Uh, I have my cousin, my sister that comes, my dad. You know, they're all together. They're all, let's say, I see them every day almost. Right. And, you know, a lot of people find it crazy that no matter how old an Armenian son is, that they still live with their parents. I mean, you, here you are, 34 years old, and you live with your parents. And that's not an uncommon story because a lot of it's very Armenians are very family oriented and, you know, they don't go far away from the nest. They have their family right close to them. How important has it been with you to have your family's support for your career? Well, I'm a mama's boy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, you know, my mother always took care of me still. She does everything, cooking, uh, cleaning. Uh, of course, uh, uh, we're here for her, whatever she needs. Um, so, of course, if I get married, uh, some woman uh, that has to come, she has to accept it or we're going to kick her out. <laughs> uh, yeah, family first, uh, because, you know, it's culture difference. Uh, some people grow up, they get, uh, they live on their own, you know. But with us, uh, you know, that's a woman that took care of me in my whole life. I, I'm not going to leave her alone for some girl out of met. You know what I mean? Even if I have family, uh, I'm going to have kids with her. Uh, my mother was always there, so always family first. My brother was always there from when I was born, let's say. So uh, they're always going to be number one. And whoever comes has to accept that they're, uh, you know, not second, but uh, they're part of the family. It's not like uh, I'm going to choose between wife, kids, and uh, my brother or my mother. You know, they're always going to be there. Right, so we're going to have a number one contender, a number two contender, and a number three contender in the Musasi clan. No, no, no they're, all, they're, all, they're all family. Uh, even if you get married and have kids, but, uh, uh, I'm not going to forget uh, growing up who took care of me. You know what I mean? Of uh, course. Who was there with me. Like my brother supported me throughout my whole career. He still uh, trains with me, does all the financial stuff. So it's not like once I get married... I'm going to move out, uh, move to another city or for a different... Uh, no, they're going to be always next to me. Now, I know Armenian moms, they have a very different way of cooking. They have a very different way of making things, a lot of salt, a lot of butter, a lot of sugar. Uh, is your mom aware of the Dolce diet for you to be... <laughs> uh, for, for you to be on an actual diet uh, during fight camps? Well, yeah, no, no, my mom always cooks healthy. Uh, but my, you're from uh, Iran, so uh, my mother cooks more Persian food than Armenian, to be actually. And uh, of course, there's a little bit of salt and butter in it, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not a bodybuilder, you know what I mean? So that just a little bit is not going to make a difference. So uh, I'm doing this for a long time. Uh, I eat healthy when I have a fight. and uh, But yeah, yeah. She, there's always uh, food on the table. If you go to an Armenian house, there's always food. Always. <laughs> yeah, you you show me an Armenian who has a six pack, and I'll show you someone who takes steroids because we're not <laughs> we're not genetically blessed to have abs, to no. have chiseled bodies. You know, our, our our job is to eat, drink, and and be happy. So, um, what are yeah. some of the what are some of the foods you eat during training camp? Oh, there's a lot of. Uh, chicken, uh, fish, uh, eggs, uh, and then uh, nuts, uh, whatever, rice, uh, vegetable. Uh, that's usually a lot of times the basic uh, potato, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you know. Uh, I need carbs, protein, 
and uh, you know uh, fruits. Uh, so it's nothing crazy. I don't diet very crazy. Uh, I just eat healthy, and I uh, usually mix whatever. Uh, if I eat uh, chicken, you know, let's say one day, the next day I'm gonna try to eat fish. You know, uh, once a week I try to eat meat. It's not a very strict diet. Uh, I don't like that. And uh, if you if you want to have a long career and you want to do this weight cut for 20 years or whatever, you have to have a diet that you can always maintain. And uh, for me, it's worked out. It's not like if I diet very strictly, suddenly I'm going to be a better fighter. It's not like that. So right. uh, I'm doing everything at the normal way. And uh, so far, so good. Yeah. Well, you, you went through that entire meal plan. You forgot to mention the McDonald's you mentioned earlier in our conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. When I don't fight, I, I, sometimes I go to McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's, you eat, and then five minutes later, you're hungry again. Yeah, it's absolutely. Really food, you know? Yeah, that's like yeah. me and sushi. Now, uh, what you have, yeah. what's your go-to meal after a big fight, after you win? What did you have for dinner after the Machida fight? Do you remember? Well, usually I go eat sushi uh, right after the weigh-ins because uh, the fish has uh, a little bit fat and uh, the rice and there's salt. Uh, the fish makes it that your body takes, it's a little bit fat, so your body can take the uh, carbs a little bit slower. And, uh, of course, uh, a little bit salty, uh, you're going to uh, hold a little bit water more and uh, that's so that's that's the first thing I'm gonna eat. Also, like with bananas and then uh, peanut butter, I mix it. Peanut butter with the uh, uh, bananas, uh, still the same carbs, uh, fast sugars, and then the fat makes it that you take it slowly. Right, and you know, all this food actually has made me very hungry. So let's take a quick break. Let's <laughs> let's let's go have a snack. Let's have a snack. We'll come back and we'll talk about your illustrious career that you've built to this date. So uh, let's take a break and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And we are back from our snack and unofficial break with Gerard Musasi, uh, who is joining the program today. Of course, Gerard, who many of you might know, is an MMA superstar who currently fights for Bellator. He has a fight coming up on May 9 at the SAP Center in San Jose. He will co-headline an event with Ryan Bader. And um, Gerard, you know, you've had such a illustrious career like we mentioned earlier so many championships and so many different promotions uh your household name for the the hardcore mma fans and the casuals alike but you know throughout your decorated career what would you say is the hallmark and landmark win that you still consider your best well i think the first belt i won i was the happiest cage warrior even it means the less of the, all of the belts that I got, uh, I was most happiest. Uh, and then Bellator belt was uh, also like one of the accomplishments, going for the title for so long and eventually getting there. Uh, so I think those two title fights uh, made me most happiest, let's say. Right. And obviously you've had a few losses yourself. Uh, what do you? What's the one fight that you'd like to have back? I wish I, I could have fought Lovato. Um, you know, the guys that I lost, uh, let's say Mashida, Uriah Hall, 
uh, Jacare. You know, those guys, I also got a win over them. So even though I lost them, I also beat them. So I always felt like I could win from anybody. But like I said, sometimes I I mess up myself. And so with Lavado, I felt like I messed up. I wasn't in there. felt like uh, that mentality, I don't feel like fighting and uh, uh, overtraining or whatever it was. I didn't feel like I gave 100%. So that one I wanted to get back for sure. Mm-hmm. And I guess taking it all the way back, uh, what was the MMA culture like for you growing up in Holland? How did you get into it? Well, back then uh, there was a video stores where you could rent videos. And then I remember my brother was renting uh, uh, cage fights in Russia, uh, bare knuckles uh, in a cage uh tournaments like the small guy fighting a big giant you had at that time Igor from Fenchen uh we used to rent it and watch it uh so that's how I got uh got to know MMA let's say uh it was from those yeah uh, crazy fights let's say and uh that's why we went to and uh, my brother went did ground games and that's how we started right and you know you and I are the same age um I was born in 86, you were born in 85, so we're right around that same era. I grew up watching the UFC with my father back in 1994 when those pay-per-views were so hard to get by and really no one knew much about it. And of course, you know, the Mike Tyson era, uh, uh, it, it sounds like everything and these connections led you into uh, into fighting. Take me through that first amateur fight you had and what what that was what that experience was like do you did you felt you were ready for this life from the beginning well i did boxing uh, back then but uh, my first mma fight i had done maybe two weeks of ground i didn't know anything i just went there i was uh, it was like more of a street fight and that's how i won my fight i knocked him <laughs> I knocked him a couple times down i think and that's how I got started, uh, with no experience, with just boxing. And back then in 1994, when, let's say, MMA also started with, like, judo or BJJ versus boxing or boxing versus karate, you know. And it was a little bit like that for me also. Uh, I went in there with just boxing experience. And uh, the more I went and the more uh, <laughs> I felt like, okay, the ground is very important. I lost against wrestlers, and I went, oh. Maybe wrestling is important. <laughs> you know, I had to learn it the difficult way. Well, uh, I mean, looking at your career now, you've you've become an all-around fighter. You have um, 26 knockouts, 12 by submission, 8 by decision. So you can win a fight any way you choose to, and uh, you take the fight as it comes to you, of course. Um, now, which fight was it specifically that led you to getting the nickname The Dreamcatcher? Well, I got that nickname from, uh, I was back then in with M1, and uh, I knew the guy. The guy said, oh, uh, Dreamcatcher is a good name. I didn't really care about nicknames. So I said, sure, why not? Back then I had so many bad nicknames from Japan. Um, what, uh, what a couple of nicknames. Uh, uh, I forgot them. Uh, anyway, I, and then that's how that one stuck. So 
Actually, I don't really like the nickname. <laughs> no, if if you could, if you could read, what it is now, yeah. If you could redo it, if you could choose your own nickname, what would it be? Like the Armenian assassin? What would it be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what nickname is fitting is fitting for me, to be honest. You know, you you give me a couple days. I'll text you a couple McDonald's, suggestions. Maybe if McDonald's sponsor me, <laughs> uh, we can put that one in it. Well, you know? <laughs> Gerard Big Mac Musasi. What about that one? Yeah, why not the Big Mac? <laughs> it, it it has a yeah, nice ring to good, it. You know, it has a nice yeah, yeah, ring it has to two it. Two things, you know, the Big Mac, or you can think it as a burger or the big guy. You know. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the Big Mac truck. What do you eat at McDonald's anyway? Yeah. I, I, I have a very strong feeling you love McDonald's. <laughs> no, no, I, I actually don't like it. I don't go that much. I used to go to Burger King a lot more. But one, one day I went to Burger King. I ate. I slept. I woke up. I felt so sick and I had to fly. I got the food poisoning. So from then on, only McDonald's now. But uh, even McDonald's, I don't go that much. Sir. Yeah. Uh, maybe once in a month now. If, <laughs> If I'm really hungry, there's nothing to eat. Yeah, you know, and per- Persian and Armenian food is so good. Why would you even have McDonald's and Burger King? You know, with all the kubade and all the nice uh, tadik and all the great stuff that we have on our menus. I, you yeah. know, the McDonald's, I, I think I haven't had McDonald's in like maybe eight years. Maybe when the McRib is back. There you go. That's a good nickname. McRib Musasi. <laughs> McRib. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I take any of them. Uh, <laughs> Uh, over Dreamcatcher. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. back to the fight that you have coming up against Douglas Lima. Um, of course, May 9 uh, at the SAP Center in San Jose. Uh, how has preparation for this fight been a little different for you? I know, you know, at, at, at this point of your career, it's hard to kind of reinvent the wheel and kind of make sudden changes in your career and lifestyle and training. But how are you approaching this fight a little differently? Well, the difference is he's a stand-up guy. Uh, I was I was for a year focused on Lavado, to be honest. So uh, I was trying to uh, keep it stand-up, a lot of takedown, defense, defense. But now it's I'm the guy that's going to maybe take him down. You know, the difference is with me and him. He, I've never seen him shoot. So it's a little bit different uh, approach to it. Uh, but it's the same. It's ground, wrestling, stand-up. Uh, but mainly stand-up. He's a stand-up guy. Um, so that's my specialty, and that's his specialty. So it's going to be a stand-up fight. And he has good takedown defense. Uh, but uh, whatever the fight goes, I'm going to try to be the dominant guy. And to be honest, um, I'm looking forward to this fight because I feel like he's a guy that I can show all my skills. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you have proved everything you have everything you can in your career through this point? Or do you feel like there's still a lot more for you to accomplish or a lot more to even do and outdo yourself from what you've already done? Um, there's always another challenge. Uh, like heavyweight it could be a challenge. Uh, if they do a middleweight tournament, uh, to win the tournament, uh, that would be a challenge. Uh, there's always going to be a challenge. Uh, uh, sometimes... Uh, you fight a big name. Uh, Doug Lima is a big name, and uh, sometimes uh, it's. A, but um, for me, it's most important for me it's to get my fights and get the get the victory without injuries, 
and get the W. I want to go out on a winning streak. I don't want to go out. A lot of times you see fighters go out, win, lose, win, win, lose. I don't want to do that. I want to finish all wins and then go on on a high note. How are you going to know it's time? Um, it's. I know obviously a lot of fighters look at a loss like, oh, n- now might be the time. But are you okay riding a 10-fight winning streak into into retire per se? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, I want to win. If, if I feel like I'm getting injured all the time, if I feel like I'm losing my fights, which hasn't been the case. I, I lost one fight from my last 10 fights or something like that. And uh, so... I'm still. I feel like I'm on my top, uh, and uh, as long as my body is healthy, uh, I'm gonna try to uh, go on top. Let's say a couple more wins, and then uh, finish it. Yeah. All right. So, I have to ask you, what's after MMA? What's after a retirement for you? It sounds like you're not married yet, so I'm sure you have a lot of plans for yourself. Uh, after M- your MMA career is over, what do you see the second act of your career looking like? Well, kids, probably I have to have at least one or two. <laughs> so that's, uh, I'm going to be full-time daddy maybe. And then uh, I wanted to do some charity work with children. I have my own charity to keep me busy and do something back, give something back. Uh, I feel like I got, I, I'm fortunate to be in this place where I am now. And then uh, I can focus on that and uh, maybe kids and family. And maybe uh, help coach a little bit maybe uh, you know if there's a prospect that I can help with my knowledge so those are the things that I'm going to maybe focus on yeah and, and enjoying life uh, to be honest I mean, uh, no more dieting no more uh, sleeping bad uh, no more uh, uh, sore from all the training so yeah also enjoy life a little bit well, you have to be careful, like like we talked about those Armenian genes. I'm sure you've seen the Armenian dads with their stomachs as big yes. as basketballs. You have to be careful, Gerhard. Yeah, I have to keep up the, the tradition, you know. So the belly is gonna come for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure with you being a, a fighter as long as you have, and you know, now that you have this newfound Bellator money, you're looking for the opportunity to spend money. Is you, you need to you need to take a break from actually fighting to enjoy it, right? For sure, but uh, you know, I had injuries, but I was off for six months. So I feel healthy now, and I feel like, okay, now I'm healthy. I'm going to do three fights this year. So uh-huh. I want to fight as much as possible as long as my body I'm not injured. You have to take the fights that you can because sometimes you have an injury, you're out for six months. You're out for a year maybe even. And then, yeah, the, then even if you like to fight, you can. So I'm trying to make the most out of it. Right, and you know what's one of the most lavish purchases you've made after getting that big fight check that you kind of like? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I really, my brother is the financial guy. He keeps me on a tight leash. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I bought a car after a fight, or I bought a watch, something, nothing crazy. Uh, all the big purchases always were uh, houses. After every fight, uh, I bought a house investment. And then um, nothing crazy, to be honest, you know. 
uh, always lived under my uh, living standard, let's say. I, uh, I never yeah. went over it. Yeah, uh, very, very well said. It, it sounds like you. It sounds like we can have the Gerard Musasi monopoly version pretty much coming up pretty soon with all the property in Holland. I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, we're still trying to buy, but uh, it's, it's more difficult now because no one sells. <laughs> they sell it like a big price. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm set. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, so that's not the thing that I'm fighting for, to be honest. You know, uh, right. it's uh, always nice to have a little bit more, but uh, you know, it's it is what it is. I, I'm satisfied. I, I, like I said, I don't I don't have big expenses. I don't have ten, thirty watches. I have uh, maybe one car. You know, I don't have three, four cars. What are you I'm, driving? I don't have a crazy hobbies. A BMW M5. Oh, it's the, see, you are Armenian, Gerard. I knew it. Yeah, all Armenians, BMW or Mercedes, you know. You know, it it comes along with the birth certificate. You you get birth, you get baptized, you get a BMW, and not necessarily in that order. (laughs) And you get uh, Adidas clothing. (laughs) Armenians love Adidas. I don't know what it is, but they love Adidas. Do you have the Do you have the Adidas tracksuit? No, 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 no. I'm trying to be uh, stay away of that stereotype. (laughs) I'm. uh, that I don't do, but uh, the belly for sure is gonna come. Right. Uh, what do you? How would you? What stereotype do you think you fit from an Armenian standpoint? Because I know you were born in Iran. You were you live in Holland, so not a lot of people in the United States maybe have had a chance to see you in person, unless they've had a chance to come to the fights in Los Angeles. Uh, how, how would you describe you? Just you as the person, the Armenian man. Uh, food, family orientated. Uh, always with friends, uh, you know, drinking sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this uh, you know, food. I, I guess a family. I guess yeah. Right. Are, are you going to train in Glendale for this fight? Oh no, no. I, uh, I went there uh, last month, I believe. Uh, I trained there one time with Edmund. Uh, I trained at Gorkors. I trained at Karen's gym. Uh, I, I went to, to some friends, visited there, trained a little bit. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, maybe uh, another time. Uh, I would love to train with Edmund a lot more. Especially if he fights for the belt. Uh, if I could help him with my experience, I would love to have to do that. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you uh, fighting Mashida at the forum? I know there's a lot of Armenian fans who always come and support you. Uh, what is it like to have the support? You come under, you come with the flag, you come with the music. You're very proud of your heritage. Uh, what is it like to also get that support from your fans as well? well it's always great. You know, uh, always uh, when they come, I come up with the music, Armenian music. Uh, I have the flag. I feel like uh, if I win, they get happy. And uh, they're, they're happy if I do well. So it's the feeling is mutual. So you always you want to do well. Uh, your countrymen, they always have, uh, even in social media, it's always Armenian that support me. Uh, so uh, I feel like a victory for me is victory for them because uh, uh, they're happy for me to win and I'm happy uh, to win for them. So it's, same mutual feeling, let's say. Mm-hmm. And you will go down as one of the greatest Armenian fighters of all time. I have to ask you, for your Mount Rushmore of Armenian fighters, it could be MMA and boxing, who would you consider the top four 
Armenian boxers and MMA fighters of all time. And feel free to include you in that list as well, too. I think Edmund is going to be there in the future. Caro. Uh, Caro uh, um, Parisian? Arthur Abraham. Yes. Uh, at that time, he was at the best. Uh, Vic Dacinian. Uh, but you have the wrestlers, Migran and uh, Arthur. They're Olympic champions. So right. Those, those are fighters, too. So I think those guys are the most known guys. Uh, Giorgio Petrosian is Armenian, too. I, I feel like he's the number one. Uh, also one of the guys in kickboxing, he is the pound for pound and he's Armenian so yeah, you, Armenia have, uh, have good fighters to be honest for such a small country we're kickboxing, boxing, wrestling MMA so I think Armenians are doing well for such a small population Gerhard, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy training camp and, and really talking about the process, the journey that you've had in your career and still a lot of unfinished business for you. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, you're not closing the door on your career anytime soon and really still building on your legacy. And that journey continues, of course, May 9 at the SAP Center in San Jose, where you'll fight Douglas Lima uh, for another at another title shot in Bellator. So uh, good luck to you. Uh, and uh, enjoy, have a safe training camp, injury-free, and looking forward to uh, seeing you in the cage on May 9. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You have a good one.